ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael discusses calling elk and adding emotion. Enjoy the episode. Let's get going. So, hey guys, Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy. Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday Live Q&A. So, this is... Greg, I'm telling, stay until you shut her down. Perfect. So, Jay, how you doing, bud? Uh, Mr. Scott, howdy, howdy. So, okay, this is Wapiti Wednesday. So, Wapiti Wednesday is all about you guys. This is a chance to get your questions answered. If this is your first time joining us tonight, um, if you're on the YouTube channel, be sure that you click subscribe and also click that bell notification so that way you're up to date every time we go live or add a new video. If you're over on the Facebook page, make sure that you like the page and turn on notifications as well. So, so the way this normally works is I normally pick a topic, start talking about that topic. And then as we kind of roll through um, any questions you guys have, feel free to put them in the comment section or the chat box. And we just answer those questions live as we go along. So, um, so tonight, like I said, we're, we're going to talk about adding emotion into your calling. And I think this is one area that a lot of people kind of struggle with. They just kind of, you know, go through the motions um, that maybe they don't really understand elk vocalizations, but that's what we're going to cover tonight. Mr. Jarris Nelson, how you doing, bud? So you, you said you were going to tune in. I know you're uh, sitting there cutting up meat. So uh, thanks for tuning in. So all right. Yeah, you know, elk have they, they definitely have a, 
a language, um, you know, a way to communicate. And there is different emotions driven in it, just like, you know, our language when we're having conversations with people, um, you know, our emotions affect what we're saying and how it's said. Well, same thing with the elk also. Um, you know, you can take the same sound, the same elk vocalization, and just by adding a little bit of emotion to it, it can give it a completely different meaning. And it's it's not that... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not that it's complex, you know, I, I kind of try to keep that, keep it simple, stupid, you know, approach to it. So, uh, <coughs> I think that's kind of, kind of the easier approach. So Larry, yo, fourth season next week, Colorado cow. Nice. Good luck to you on that, Larry. And maybe some things that we kind of talk about tonight might help you next week. So also for those of you that have maybe not seen the video that I uploaded last night, I wanted to give back to you guys. You know, I've said it before. I get a lot of enjoyment out of seeing you guys succeed, um, whether it's. You know, you you are a regular on Wapiti Wednesday Q&A or, or you're a student that, you know, paid for lessons and did one on one lessons. I love seeing your success. And so I wanted to do a new video entry and logo reveal, but I also wanted to incorporate you guys into it. So that's why I asked for the photos. So if you haven't seen the video yet, check it out. You can find it both on our YouTube channel and it's there on our Facebook page. It's a, it's a slideshow. And those, those, those pictures are what you guys sent in. That's to show your hard work, your success and how you took what you've learned from some of these uh, Q and a sessions and also the lessons and applied them out to out, out in the field, which I think is absolutely awesome. So Jason, hello, Justin. So Kelly, appreciate that saying that the video was awesome. So, okay. Emotion. So just like us. So those of us that are parents, here's a prime example, the easiest way to relate to it, where we've been talking to our kids. Come here, come here. Come here. Even though we said the same thing, but that last time we had a little bit of emotion into it. And it's funny how that emotion, as soon as we add that emotion into it, it's amazing. Now, all of a sudden, our kids hurt us. They know we're serious and, you know, they better come on over. Same thing with elk. So, you know, here's here here's here's a prime example. So, you know, a, a cow trying to communicate or call her calf over. So she said the exact same thing in each of those, just that last time by opening up the mouth and adding a little bit more air pressure to it, 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 it gave it, you know, more meaning. It, it gave it more urgency. So, you know, now that calf is like, uh oh, mom is serious. I have to go. So it's it, it, it's something as simple as that, that, that you can add more emotion so and, and we're going to talk about, you know, a few few other ways, you know, tonight to do that as well. So, Mr. Matt, welcome. Jeremy, hello. Hello. So, OK, so with the cow vocalizations, the thing you need to understand is cows can do their vocalization with their mouth open or mouth closed. So obviously with the mouth closed, 
it's a lot softer. It, uh, you know, mellower. But as soon as they open that mouth, it has more volume and it has, you know, more meaning to it. So um, the other way you can do that, too, is just by air pressure. You know, we've talked about it before with air pressure and using, you know, using your, your diaphragm. So just by opening your mouth and using that diaphragm to force a little more air, even though it's built off that that basic mew, but because of that little bit extra air force and that 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 little bit extra volume to it, it gives a little bit of urgency. It gives a little bit more meaning to it. So, Mr. Dale Baker, welcome. Jeremy, do you find it effective cow calling through the bugle tube? You know, sometimes I will, but you know, you know, Jeremy, this year I came across this product, uh, the game changer. And if you guys haven't watched the video on the game changer, know what it is. It's, it's basically, it's four inches long and it has two different, um, baffles of latex in there. And what's really cool about this tool is you have this big end and this in, in the small end. So what I did this year, if I wanted to amplify or give urgency, go through that small end. But if I really wanted to mellow it out, that's where you can turn this around. And you can really, really mellow that sound out. And I'll tell you what, out in the woods, that game changer sounds phenomenal. In fact, if you go to the YouTube channel and you you check out the uh, review video that I did of the game changer, you'll hear this thing out, out in the woods. I actually step away from the camera a little ways and uh, do some calling. But um, so to answer your question, in the past, yes, I have you know, cow called sometimes through the tube. Um, but this year, once I found this game changer, I mean, it really was a game changer as far as cow vocalizations. So, okay. So the other thing with emotion is, and, and I was talking about this last night with a student is, um, you know, the different cow sounds and the different emotions with them. You need to understand what type of message you're trying to convey. And one thing you can do is if you capture that emotion in your mind, okay, if you capture something, you know, like, like a, a lost mule, You know, it has volume, it has urgency. Um, think of a time when you've been lost or even just turned around for a little while. Think about the emotions that you felt. And the thing that I've really found in, in, in my calling out there is if I grab onto something like that. So like if I'm going to do some lost muse, you know, I, I, I picture in my head that 
you know, that time in, in Montana when, you know, foggy, snowy, we got turned around and, and just kind of that emotion that's kind of starts coming in. You grab that and you hang on to it when you're doing that sound. And it's amazing how that kind of conveys or comes out into your calling. So if you grasp that emotion, get that emotion in your head on the sound that you're trying to duplicate, it really, really does make a difference. Now, the other thing that, you know, I talk about a lot is what to do with your mouth. So because it's amazing how just changing your mouth can change the tone of a call. So just subtle little changes in your mouth can give a little bit more volume. So even something as simple as that, just a small little change can add even more emotion into your calling. So so a few things to kind of grab there. One, whatever emotion you're trying to convey, grab that emotion and picture it in your mind. Um, you, you know, grab a hold of an experience that you have, whether it's fear or panic or urgency or pouting, you know, because cows have vocalizations that convey all those emotions. So and, and if you grab a hold of those, then it, like I said, it really, really does make a difference. So now, now same thing on the bugling side, um, adding your voice adding your air pressure, um, you know, all this stuff, Bernie Menchaca, how you doing brother? So adding your voice at the start of the bugle can change the dynamics of that bugle ever so subtly. And, and there's a couple of different ways that you can add your voice. One is, <gasps> in a tube, now let's say i want to add a little bit more emotion into that you know a little more agitation well all you do is you just start growling a little heavier So that's two different ways right there just by adding your voice that you can add different emotion at the start of your bugle. So you can take just a nice relaxed location bugle, add one of those different growls in and you add just a little bit more aggression into it. Now, obviously, the second one where you growl a lot heavier, ugh, that's going to be a lot more aggression. So um, it's 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 just like, you know, we've we've talked about it in the past with the huffs, grunts and whines. So. You know, kind of timid, but now I'm going to do those same huffs, grunts and whines, but now I'm going to add a little bit of attitude to it. So I still did huffs, grunts, and whines, 
the only difference is, is I growled heavier with my voice. I put more air pressure with my diaphragm when I went to do the wine or the, the short bugle part of it and gave it a completely different meaning. So the first one, maybe I was a bull that was kind of a little timid, you know, really not sure what to do. But then on that second one, definitely made it sound like more of an aggressive bull, maybe a little agitated. He's got a little bit of uh, aggressiveness to him. So just a quick little subtle hint right there that one small change can completely change the meaning of that one call. So same thing with, you know, chuckles. Air pressure, you know, air pressure. So more air pressure, it, um, you know, gives a little more meaning, gives a little more aggressiveness to it. So guys, these are all little tiny subtle changes. But like I said, the key for me is, is getting that emotion stuck into my head. So Justin, how to, afford, how to avoid the elk danger call? I assume you're talking about the nervous bark, Justin. Um, if you're talking about the nervous bark, let me know in the comments that, yeah, it's the nervous bark and we can kind of talk about the nervous bark and, and you know what that means. So, um, so you, you know, I started off by saying that, that with the emotion, I, I, I think it's one avenue that a lot of people kind of lack a little bit on, you know, a lot of people think that, um, by blowing harder or louder or this or that, that that's adding emotion. And in a sense, it's true on your bugles. If, if you guys really notice when a bull gets agitated, his bugles get higher pitched, they get louder and they also get shorter. So they get shorter, they jump up to that high note and they fall off quick. So yes, part of it is, you know, adding a little bit more air pressure, but there's subtle little things that you can do with your voice that can even change that and add more aggression into it. So Justin, yes. So, okay, let, let, let's talk about that nervous bark real quick. So there's a lot of misconceptions out there that the nervous bark is a butts and dust call, that the nervous bark is, is the end call, that as soon as you hear that, you're over. That's not the case. All a nervous bark is, is that elk has gotten to the point where they think they should be able to see that elk that's making the noise. And they can't see it. And they're kind of confused. They're getting a little nervous. And so they throw that nervous bark. Basically, what they're saying is, I'm not comfortable with the situation here. I need you to come out and show yourself. I need you, the elk that was making the noise that I came over to check out, I need you to come out and show yourself to me. Well, if you learn how to do this nervous bark and you nervous bark back to them, you're basically saying the same thing to them. Well, I can't see you. 
I don't think you're a real elk. I need you to show yourself to me. And in fact, I saw that um, Jim Brennan tuned in and Jim can attest to this. Jim came to uh, Idaho a few years back and he and I were hunting together and we were, man, we were working this bull for quite a while in the morning. Um, God, I think we had him in three or four times. And sometimes it was only it's six yards, but it was so thick with chaparral brush that Jim just couldn't get a shot. So we decided to kind of roll around and maybe come at this bull from a different angle. Well, when we rolled around and dropped down in this little dip, there was a cow in there and shoot, I, I think we have 20, 30 minutes Jim. Yeah, I remember. So I, I think we have 20, 30 minutes of video of me and this cow just barking back and forth. You know, she would bark, I would bark, she would bark, I would bark bugle, she would bark, I would bark mew. And, and, and eventually she just figured that we had to be a crazy elk just like she is because she just casually strolled right around the knob and, and right back in with the group. So had we not known how to do that sound and had we not understood what that sound was, you're right. She would have barked a few times and ran back or forth and barked and barked and barked until she's like, okay, you're not showing yourself. I'm out of here. And then she would have turned and trotted away with her nose up in the air in a defensive posture or danger posture and gone right through the herd and taken the herd with her. So the nervous bark is not an end all. So now is it going to work in every scenario? No, but you do have a higher percentage of salvaging that setup that you're doing if you do know how to do the nervous bark. So the nervous bark is definitely a good tool to have. So uh, Stephanie, hello. Bernie, do you want to sound bigger than him or younger, smaller bull to get him in? Here's another misconception that I hear all the time from people. I don't know how many times that I have people shoot me a message and they're like, hey, I got in, got in on this bull and we started working them and I just couldn't get him to come. Okay, well, tell me more. Well... I was just doing a spike bugle to him. And I'm like, why just a spike bugle? Well, I, I didn't want to run him off the mountain. Here's the deal. Especially if you're working a bull that has cows, he's already expending a lot of energy gathering the cows, protecting the cows, breeding the cows, running off smaller bulls, fighting with bulls that are the same size to keep those cows. He already has a bunch of satellite bulls that are running around his herd, especially if he has a cow that's in estrus. He already has a bunch of smaller satellite bulls that are running around bugling that are like flies buzzing in his ear. You just doing this young spike bugle or small bugle because you don't want to intimidate him is not going to work. If he does not consider you a threat, he is not going to give you the time of day. So a general rule of thumb is to match the bull that you're calling to. So now, obviously, you don't want to run out there and sound like the, the king of the mountain, Mamma Jamma. And, you know, because definitely you're running the risk then of, of running that bull off. But you want to sound large enough that he considers you 
a threat that he considers, hey, this is a bull that's in the same age class that I am, that, you know, he's definitely a large enough bull that could be breeding. He's somebody that I need to pay attention to because he could certainly come in. So match the bull that you're calling to. Tony, how you doing, bud? GC calls. Once you bark back, would you use that GC and blow through wider end? Um, you know, usually barking, I'll, I'll, I'll bark through the tube just because the bark does have some pretty good depth. You know, I've never barked through the GC. Yeah, it would give enough hollowness. So it would give enough de enough depth to it. So I would. Lee Cotton was able to use Nervous Bark to stay with the herd for like two hours. Works great. Perfect. To appear a little farther. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, at that point, I don't think it really matters because, they, you know, they are so good at picking where that sound comes from. And if you had done other sounds right before that, and then now all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you know, let's say you had done some cow sounds or you'd done a bugle or something. And then, you know, they start barking. If you kind of start barking, it's going to kind of give the appearance that now there's maybe a second elk that's farther back. Um, and it could be that that second elk is barking at you also. So, I would just go ahead and stay with the volume and match their volume. They know what that bark sounds like. And like I said, they know where you're at. It's, it's amazing. They can come from a long ways away and go right to the bush that you're, you, you called from, you know, if you're by yourself, you called and moved. It's, it's amazing how they can pinpoint that from, from such a long ways away. So I called in a bull in while scouting and he barked. So I barked right back, then chuckled less than five minutes and he was 20 yards from me. Yep. It's an effective tool. I got to remember to tell my buddy Dave that. So, uh, Jeremy, I did that match bugle this year and watch him get up out of a wallow and go away over the ridge, stay with the same play. So it, oh, it really depends on, you know, Jeremy, there's, there's a lot of factors in there. What was, what was leading up to that? What type of bugle was it? Cause he, here's, here's the thing too, is that bull could have ripped a location bugle. And I've heard so many people that put so much pressure on their read and stress the read. And they think that they're doing a location bugle back when in re reality, they're issuing a challenge bugle. So, and I, I'm not saying that's, that's, you know, what happened in your case, but a majority of the time, that's, that's what I see. I mean, guys, I, I hunt public land. I hunt over the counter. I hunt with other people. Um, there's, there's other people outside of our group that are hunting the area. I don't know how many times during the season that, you know, I'll just sit down on the mountainside because I hear something unfolding and I just sit down and shake my head. So, and it's amazing too, because I'll hear this go on and I know there's elk within 100, 150 yards of me. And so I just go quiet, just like the elk do and let those people move on and then match the, match my surrounding and match my tone and get those bulls, you know, fired up. So, so Jeremy, to answer your, your question, stay with the same play. If you're matching the bugle that he's throwing out, 
you should be okay. It also depends on how close you are to them. Like I said, there's there's a lot of factors, you know, how close you are to them, what the thermals are doing, um, you know, how long had he been at that wallow? Shoot, he, he could have been in there 30, 45 minutes and he was ready to get up and go back to where he was bedding down. I mean, there's 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 a lot of factors and variables that go into that. So, man, YouTube's pretty quiet tonight. So if you guys have any questions, you know, feel free to throw them in the chat. So that's that's what we're here for. So, Bernie, thanks. I thought so. I carried two different bugles so I could sound like more in the area. Yeah, You know, you can actually you know, sound like different bulls with the same reed and the same tube. It, it all comes into, you know, that, that air pressure, you, you know, how that air pressure and adding your voice and how mature a bull are you? These, these, these are all factors that you can make the adjustments. Um, it, yeah, it takes, it takes practice. You know, it, it takes time to become really efficient on a diaphragm read, but you most certainly can do that. So, all right. Lee was barking from my hammock and couldn't move, but they stayed in the same general area. I like it. Barking and calling from the hammock. I've done that. So Jeremy, he chuckled like a mule hmm. every time. So, okay. Oh, GC, I meant to cow call. Um, yeah. Yeah, you could. I, I, Most of the time when I cow call through that game changer, I call through that big end just because I really, really like how it, it just really softens up, you know, the cow sounds and the cow vocalizations. And, and yeah, you could, you could do one without it and one through it and point it different directions. And you can sound like a small little herd, just all, you know, right there. So Jeremy, thank you, sir. You bet. So. Jay, are you sweating or, 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 or crying? I'm not, I'm not sure on that emoji there. So, um, Okay. To kind of go with the video that I posted the other day, I know I said I was going to do another giveaway and I've, I've really been thinking about how I wanted to do this giveaway. And I decided that what I want to do is I want to give back to you guys. You guys that are our supporters, our followers, the ones that support us are always here. So there's a little teaser on the giveaway. We got a couple of more questions here. So, all right, Bernie, I carry a small, thin, short tube and bigger wide tube. So um, is that okay? I mean, that's, you know, Bernie, it's, it's, it's personal preference. So, um, but I mean, with one tube, you can sound like a larger bull or a smaller bull. So, but you know, you got to have confidence in your calling. So for you, if carrying two tubes gives you the confidence, then by all mean, stay with that. The only question that I'm going to ask you is, what if you have the smaller tube and you start working a bull and you think it's a smaller bull, you're working it with a smaller tube, but now all of a sudden things escalate and you have to go to that larger tube. Do you have quick access to that larger tube? Do you have that ability to make that switch? Do you want to make that switch? That's where if you can learn how to do it with the same one, you're so better off because it's just a nice, easy little transition there. So 
Jay, I can't bugle, but I will learn on the 12th. Well, yeah, Jay, that's why your uh, lesson's starting on Monday. So I'm hitting it hard next year. So I will be in to see you for a refresher. Kelly, perfect. Emotion, pre or post lip ball. Well, Justin, a lip ball is already an emotional sound. It's 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 an aggressive state. Um you know, understanding the meaning of what that lip ball bugle is, then you'll already understand that there already is emotion in there. Now, is there really a set way that bulls do emotion? Is it clear note before into the lip ball, clear note after? Is it clear note lip ball only? You know, is it lip ball only? I, I mean, there's there's no real set on the pattern for clear or, you know, the, the guttural of the lip ball. The one thing about it is listen to the volume of it, listen to the pitch. So if you get a real high pitched bugle with, you know, um, you know, that lip ball that falls off into a heavy, heavy growl and it's short and it's fast and it's loud, it, you've got a bull that's pretty dang pissed off. So, so there are different degrees of aggression within the lip ball. Um, but no, there's, there's no set about adding your voice or emotion before or after it's, it's, it's basically how loud the volume, the pitch that he's lip balling at. Those are more of, of his emotion and, and how mad he is. Greg, would you agree that the distance the bugle exchange happens from dictates the outcome less than 150 yards versus quarter mile? Absolutely. You want to be close. So, you know, quarter mile away, you could, I mean, you know, that's, that's 400 yards. So, um, I mean, I've, I've pulled bulls, from a thousand yards or more um, just because they were down in a, in, in a ravine. Um, in fact, Colorado was a prime example of this on one of the bugling bull game call videos, that five by five that Rocky shot that I called in for him in Colorado. We had just gotten a little response, um, you know, got to the point located down there and all we got was just, a, and it wasn't enough to make us want to dive off down in there, but we found a, we found a little cut, little saddle with a, a good little um, kind of corridor that went down into there. And so we decided, hey, let's just set up, kind of do a breeding sequence. We'll see if the if the energy lights up and if the energy gets going, then we can you know, decide if we want to play and drop down in there. Um, I mean, it got lucky. We, you know, did enough that we pulled that bull plus four others up out of there. But other times you set up and start calling too far away, they're just going to move away from you. So especially if, you know, you immediately jump into aggressive type calling and he's not in that mindset, he's just going to take his cows and go. So yeah, the closer you can get and, you know, do your setups in that hundred to 150 yard range, the chance of calling that bull in goes up dramatically. So yeah, closer is better. Jason killing me, Smalls. Bernie, when are the Marcos coming out? Uh-oh. When are the Marcos coming out? And I am trying to learn with bigger one. 
funny you should bring that up about the Marco, Bernie. I did actually talk to Travis from Wapiti River tonight. He actually is building me several right now. We've been having a lot of problems getting them through customs. So he's going to ship them in smaller batches. We're going to go UPS so that there is a tracking number. So they should be on their way within the next couple of weeks. So as soon as I have the Marcos, I will let everybody know that the Marcos are back in stock. So perfect. Kelly, lip ball. Um, the lip ball that we're talking about is, is um, you know, the bugle where you actually putter your lips. Uh, it can be called a lip ball bugle, a display bugle. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of different names out there, but basically it's So it's where you putter your lips during that during that bugle to give a little bit more emotion to it. So that's what a lip ball is. All right, Mr. Scott, how far away can a bull hear a soft mew? I feel like mine are a lot louder and higher pitch than how you do it. Remember, they can hear a heck of a lot better than we can. So you'll be amazed at how far. Now, again, how far? That's kind of a loaded question. How much timber is there? How thick is the timber? How thick is the vegetation? Are we talking flat ground? Are we talking in a draw? Is there a bench? Is there little soft ridges? So there's a lot of factors that go into that. So, but if that bull, like I said, you're set up 100, 150 yards away, he's going to easily hear those soft cow calls. Now, obviously, when you're locating, you're going to have a little bit more volume to your muse just because you're trying to reach out and locate. But once you have a bull engaged and you work in and you're set up, you're in close, you can go ahead and soften your cow calls up. So he will hear them. Eric Wilson, how you doing, buddy? All right. Ooh, we got a long one here. Okay. Stick with me. Brian Padilla. First, I have to say thanks for doing this. I have killed three bulls in the past four years on Idaho public lands. I usually just sit here and take the info in that you give out and just sit back here in the shadows. But I have a question. This year I did get a bull, but had a close encounter with the biggest bull I have ever seen. I have ever seen in this unit. He was pushing cows past me and I got within 50 yards and he wouldn't stop to a cow call. So I screamed at him with a bugle and he just kept going without missing a beat. Is there something I could have done different? The wind was right, but they did seem like they were moving quickly before our encounter. I hunted for this bull till the last weekend and ended up shooting a five by five. But that moment with that monster haunts me, LOL. So, um, you know, is there something you you know you could have been done different? You know, again, there's there's a lot of factors, you know, into this. What time of day was it? Were they heading to their bedding area? Was it in the evening and they were heading to their feed? So sometimes, um, you know, the elk have a specific place that they're getting to, and if you're kind of behind them and trying to call them back. It's really, really tough. Elk generally won't turn around and come back. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible. You can do that. But for the most part, 
they're going to head and they're going to go where they want to. If they were already moving out, why were they moving out fast paced? Did they get bumped by another hunter and they had been running for a while and now they kind of slowed down to a fast walk? You know, what's what's going on here? Um, was he bugling quite a bit on his own? If he was bugling on quite a bit on his own, it could have been that he had a hot cow in with the group. And the chance of you pulling away, him away from that hot cow were extremely tough. So best piece of advice I can give you in that scenario is pay attention to what's going on. Okay. So time of day, if it's morning and they're going from feed to bed, and if you're below them, you need to hustle your butt and get on the same elevation as them. So then it's much easier to call him over. Um, if it's in the evening time and they're heading to their feeding area, this is where really knowing your hunting area, knowing where they feed, knowing where they bed, know the cow travel corridors that they use, because then you can set yourself up to inter intercept these guys. And the chances of call-ins on your setups are just rise dramatically. If that bull's bugling a lot of, you know, quite a bit on his own, which is usually a tendency of a bull that has a cow in estrus. A lot of times if we get into that scenario and we find a bull that has a hot cow, we'll try to work him for a little bit. But remember, like I said earlier, he already has a bunch of other satellite bulls or surround, you know, bulls in the area that are also bugling. They know what's going on. They know there's a hot cow. So they're trying to throw their hat in the ring and try to have their opportunity to breed that cow as well. So by you sitting there bugling and, and, and trying to do that stuff with that bull, he just thinks you're one of the other satellite bulls and he's really not going to pay much attention to you unless you get really, really, really close to him. The only problem with getting really, really, really close to him is then you're dealing with all those eyes from the other cows and the chance of getting seen or winded or this or that and blowing them out is pretty, pretty tough. A lot of times, like I said, when we find ourselves in that situation, we'll work that bull for a little bit just to see how he's going to react. And there's actually times that we'll back out and we'll come back in on him the next day or in a couple of days when he doesn't have a hot cow. Your chances of getting on that bull and calling him in when he doesn't have a hot cow is a much higher percentage. So. YouTube. Hi there. It's cold weather. What is the best way to find elk? Um, I assume best way to find elk like in a new area or in an area that you've hunted, you know, where on the mountain are they going to be? So the, the, the cold really doesn't bother them. It's, it's more of the snow level. It's, it's their access to feed. That's what's really going to start them on their migration route to their wintering grounds. They'll stay up there as long as they can, as long as they still have access to food, they don't have to paw too much. Um, they'll stay up there. But as far as cold temperatures, um, you know, they're going to go more towards onto the southern facing slope of the mountain because it's warmer on that side and snow is going to melt quicker. So you may get a snowstorm that hits and dumps some snow, but it's going to leave those southern slopes first. So in cold and if you're starting to get snow, start working those southern facing slopes first. So hopefully that answered your uh, your question there, Mohammed. So thank you. All right, Bernie. Kelly, thanks for that. Tony, can I put my name on one of the Marcos? 
Yes. Um, I don't know exactly. I, I mean, all in all, there should be about 100 coming in. Um, they're going to come in in batches of 20. So uh, I know there's there's a few of you that have kind of asked. Um, so we'll just we'll just see kind of how many, you know, come in. I may just kind of sit on them until we get a good batch and then just, you know, throw them out there for all of you. So I will take two. Yeah. Okay, Eric Wilson, should you have an echo when you bugle? We've kind of touched on that in the past too. So yes, there should be a little bit of echo going on. Uh, if, if, if you get into an area or on a day where it's really heavy air and it's just dead, your, your bugle just doesn't go anywhere. There's no echo to it. Um, I don't know what it is, but I just don't find as good. I, I don't find that the bulls bugle as much on days when you have that air, heavy air versus when you do have um, some echo to it. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely do want some echo. Greg had it happen to me, but he's still sick over it. Brandon Scott, how you doing, bud? Brian, it was close to noon. Some elevation, they were heading down the mountain quietly, almost like something spooked them, but just a fast walk. If they were heading down the mountain at noon, yeah, something scared them, something pushed them off. So, because, you know, midday thermal should be going up. Um, hmm. Yeah, I would say everything you're telling me is that they got pushed or bumped by something. So the chance of, you know, getting that bull to stop and engage pretty, pretty tough. You, um, you, you did the right thing by continuing to go back in there and find them. The only question is, is, you know, where did they go? So that's one thing that you might've done differently was, you know, done a few calling, but once you recognize that they're kind of at a fast paced walk, like they're definitely, they're on a mission to get somewhere. Um, that's where just kind of go quiet and do the best that you can to keep up with them to see where they're going let them settle down. So you kind of follow them. Okay. Hey, they bedded down. Then you just kind of bed down yourself for a little bit, give them time to kind of mellow out, wait until that evening time and then engage and, and see if they've had a chance to settle down. Um, if you don't get any engagement that evening, pay attention to where they're going to feed because that's where you're going to want to go the very next morning is over into that feed area and try to gain and, and, and engage him then. But yeah, definitely give him a chance to uh, calm down. So Brian, thanks for the info. You bet. Uh, David, thank you for the, all, con all the content you put out. Your view videos have helped me a lot. I still practice almost daily during my commute. Lip balls are still a big struggle. I find that I lose pressure and volume with trying to spurt my lips. I'll figure it out one of these days. Okay, David, here's a quick tip. And also you guys that are trying to lip ball. Absolutely. If, if you're, when you're first trying to lip ball, it seems like as soon as you start puttering your lips that the sound from the diaphragm just disappears. So that the puttering of your lips, because it's so close to the tube, it drowns out that reed. Plus the air pressure that it's taking to putter your lips is taking it away from the reed. Quick, quick tip. <coughs> Excuse me. Take your diaphragm, tighten your stomach muscles, tighten your rib muscle to really press on that and increase the air pressure that you're forcing out. It will make it easier to putter your lips, but it will also increase the volume on your read 
So that way then the read volume will actually stay above the noise of puttering your lips, but you have to increase your air pressure. There's your, there's your freebie quick tip for tonight, guys. So, okay. Uh, Benito, can you call elk in post rut rifle season? Absolutely. So, but the chance of the huge bugle activity is generally not going to happen during rifle season. This year it did because we had a really, really late rut. But most of the time, your better chances are staying with your cow sounds. And this is where I've talked about it in the past. Just set up in a place, do two or three cow calls, wait four or five minutes, do two or three cow calls, wait four or five minutes and repeat that for an hour or an hour and a half. I can guarantee if there's elk in the area, something is going to come to check you out. And it's usually cows and younger bulls that will come to check you out. So it depends if you have a cow tag or if you have a bull tag. If you do have a bull tag, then how much pride do you have? Do you, do you want the big taxidermy bill type bull or do you just want meat in the freezer? And you know what? Elk meat tastes a heck of a lot better than a tag does. I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. I would much rather put meat in the freezer to feed my family. So, um, yeah. So, yes, calling can be extremely effective. The thing about the rifle season, though, since you are making cow sounds, definitely make yourself visible for other hunters around you. So do it in a safe manner. Scott, I need 98 Marcos and Bernie can have two. <laughs> You guys are killing me. But actually, Scott, Jamie Johnson wants a couple of them. Scott wants a couple of them. Uh, another Scott. So uh, I don't think that ratio of 98 for you and two for Bernie is going to work there, buddy. So, Jeremy, should I email you about private calling lessons? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it, Jeremy. Um, just send it to Michael at ElkCallingAcademy.com, and we can start the process of chit-chatting back and forth about uh, getting you on, on the schedule. So, thanks, Scott. Christina Chapman. Look at that. Christina. Actually, Christina and I were just talking about uh, the nervous bark earlier today. So, Raymond, I'm at work and listening to my headset. Don't tell the boss. Okay, Raymond, I won't bugle anymore then. So, Jeremy, called the season in Colorado this year, early morning only. Okay. Late season calling, post rut calling or quiet stock. So, we just kind of, that was kind of like a question that we just had a little bit of a go, Justin. I like calling. Um, and and even, even though that cow sound, even though there's not interaction, you know, there's, and what I mean by that is there's, there's not bulls calling back or bugling like there is during the rut, but you stand, still can get responses. I mean, you can still get a bull that can pipe off a small little location bugle, um, but they will come in. They are curious. They are herd animals. You're not going to hear a lot of noise. It may just be a twig snap or this or that, but definitely, you know, be ready, have the gun on the ready. In between your cow sounds, really scan the forest. So they're going to sneak in on you. And the tricky thing is, is you don't know which way they're going to come from. So, all right, Jason, I need one. Jay Colley, I need one. I need one. 
<laughs> yeah, Jake didn't believe me. I had to YouTube the sounds for him. So, yeah, nervous, nervous bark. Uh, what Christina and I were talking about today was she heard it for the first time and didn't know what it was. And, and it kind of startled her. And it still startles you. I mean, I have video footage um, where I knew the cow was going to do it. I could see her body posture. I could see, you know, what she was doing. Um, and I knew she was going to bark and she barked and you can see the camera jump a little bit cause it scared me. So it, yeah, I, I mean, especially if it's not something that you've heard a lot of, it, it can kind of get you like, what the heck was that? So, cause yeah, sometimes they can sound exactly like a, a dog barking. Okay. Guys, he also has awesome t-shirts. I know. Yeah. Bernie, appreciate that. Yeah. We are doing a uh, inventory reduction. All shirts are uh, down to $20. So make sure you head to the uh, shop there on Facebook. So, okay. So I touched on this. I want to give back to you guys. So here's what we have up for grabs. Okay. Um, we're giving away two kits and here's what is in each kit. A game changer. Four diaphragm reads. There's a native by Carlton Rip It Red, Rip It Black, 400, and 450. But then you need a place to put those reads. So bendable products, each kit will have two of the reed quivers that these reed quivers go right up on the bill of your hat so that that diaphragm is right there so you can easily grab it. But then they also sent over, <coughs> they're two different pouches. So you get this four reed pouch, which holds four diaphragms, it's magnetic. And then they also have this other pouch that has a small pouch on the outside. So you get those to carry your reeds in. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls has included a Wapiti Whacker grunt tube. So in this kit, like I said, game changer, four diaphragm reeds, two reed quivers, two reed pouches, and the Wapiti Whacker tube. I have two of those kits for two winners. So what I am going to do is there's nothing special you guys need to do. Okay. I'm going to go to the people on our YouTube channel that have subscribed to our YouTube channel. And I'm going to go to the Facebook page and I'm going to grab our followers. And I'm going to put everybody into a hat and I'm going to draw two random winners. So make sure that you have either subscribed to our YouTube page or that you like and follow the YouTube, or sorry, the Facebook page. So I'm gonna let this go for three weeks. <laughs> Freddie, am I eligible? Yes, Freddie, you're eligible to ship out the two game changers to the, uh, to the two winners. So, all right. Um, so on Wednesday, the 28th, I am going to draw the two winners and announce them during the live Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. Like I said, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. I appreciate the support that you guys have given to me and I just wanted to give back. Now, here's the deal. 
Because of these companies, Game Changer, Bendable Products, Native by Carlton, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, these guys are donating all of this stuff to give to you guys. Please make sure that you go and give them love as well. Meaning follow their pages, like and follow their pages, support these guys. Because without these companies that I partner with and work with, I would not be able to do these giveaways for you guys. So really the support to those guys really, really means a lot. So, um, I think this is a great package. I know somebody mentioned throwing a couple of hats. I know some of you guys have mentioned hats. So there are a couple of things right now that I am getting samples in on hats. I'm also getting samples in on polos with nice embroidered logo on it. So, um, dang, it's going to hurt worse than waiting for Christmas. <laughs> Ah, I like that. So, Mohammed, there is a chance for a bull to stay around same area late season. Absolutely. In fact, Mohammed, some of the older, more mature bulls will go back up to the high country and they'll stay up there in that high country all throughout the winter. So they winter there, they summer there, they are there. The only time they come down is for the rut to breed cows. And then once that rut starts winding down, they break free and go back into their back, back into their solitude. So, um, for you, uh, you know, Muhammad, I would say kind of, kind of start searching, um, you know, start low, work high, you know, until you, until you find the elk at what elevation on the mountain that they're hanging out at. Um, and that's just going to kind of let you know what elevation on that mountain those guys are hanging out at. Uh, Matt, wasn't native by Carlton making a small bugle tube with you, ETA? Um, yes, Matt, we are working together um, on a new grunt tube. So I can kind of give you guys some of the specs on it right now. It's roughly 20, 21 inches long. Um, it does have good depth. And in fact, we've been doing some side-by-side -side comparisons with some of the larger tubes. Um, it has that same bottom end. It has that same thump. Nice thing is it does have a flexible section on it. It's not collapsible, but it does have a flex section on it. So when you put it over your shoulder, it definitely wraps around your body. So that way, if you're by yourself, if you're solo, you can pull that mouthpiece up and bugle on it and aim that sound back behind you so it is directional. It does have a flared mouthpiece that is turned acrylic. So it is a very, very comfortable, you know, mouthpiece to blow on. So ETA, um, we're going to work on it for a little bit. And kind of what Mark talked about was may not release the tube until springtime. So, um, that's kind of our goal. We also are still working on, you know, the diaphragm reads. Um, and in fact, the latest adjustments, uh, I think just shipped out Monday. So they'll probably be here tomorrow. So I'll have the next round of adjustments on the new diaphragm read that uh, Carlton and I are working on. Um, we do have one that 
we think is pretty much there. We're working on a couple of different reads. So what we talked about with the one that we um, have kind of pretty much set, and it's, it's the one that I've done a couple of teaser bugles on to have you guys say, you know, what you think of the sound. We actually talked about making about 24 of those and just shipping them out to people to let you guys try them see how you guys run it, see what you think about it. It's, it's one thing with Mark and I running these things. Cause um, you know, we've, we've both been blown on dia- diaphragm reads for a lot of years. So we want to send it out to um, some people that are may you know, kind of new intermediate and other advanced type callers just to see what you guys think about it. So that could be coming up as soon. Um, might have more info on that next week. So. <clears throat> Mohammed, thanks. That is help. You bet. Hey, thanks for tuning in and asking questions tonight. So, uh, okay. Geez, he calls. I approve. Tony, that sounds like an awesome tube. Yeah, Tony, it really is. I am really, really impressed with the direction that uh, uh, this thing's going. So definitely, you know, Mark's got a lot of great ideas and, and I really welcome the fact that he's open uh, to bounce ideas back and forth. Uh, Bernie, I have a late rifle tag with the first responder to help. Hopefully my Marco makes it along. Great tip. I need it. I, yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell you when they're going to get here. Bernie, I hope soon. Jeremy, I'm in. Scott, I'll give it a test run. Sweet. Matt, I have heard your test videos on them. They are sounding good. Can't wait for them to come out. So yeah, the, kind of the adjustment that we made um, is... So that that one I called on that you guys heard, that one's pretty much set. Now I'm making another adjustment to it to try to get kind of something that will offer kind of some depth also, kind of of another another advantage. So, okay, you got to do it. Bugle out the GC. Okay. So... So there you go. That'll show you guys right there. So for you guys that want to carry something kind of small and compact, that game changer is a great call. So, all right, guys, we're at that magical one hour mark. So we're going to wrap it up that my phone keeps telling me I only have 10% battery life left. So once again, guys, thank you everybody tuning in. Thanks for participating. Thanks for the question. Highly appreciate it. Make sure that you either subscribe to the YouTube channel or like the Facebook page so that you are entered into the giveaway. Like I said, we will be giving that away on the 28th. Uh, Raymond, have you ever worked with someone who bugles with their voice? My 10-year-old son has called in a few bowls uh, when dad forgets his calls. Um, Raymond, I haven't worked with anybody on their voice calling, but I do have a very good friend, Hannah. Uh, she, uh, is a phenomenal voice caller. Um, any voice calling, I'm going to steer Hannah's direction. So sounds good. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. You guys are liking that GC, aren't you? Kelly, I like your, uh, I like your optimism. Can't wait to win. Thanks again. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Great info. 
music to my ears. Thank you, sir. Night, night, brother. Thanks, Mike. <coughs> All right, guys. <coughs> As always, keep calling, keep practicing, but most importantly, have fun. And we'll see you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. Have a great week, everybody. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.